Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you to our worship teams at all of our campuses. We're thrilled. Uh, man, we get led in great worship every week. Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. Thank you for being here at the Rock Spring campus. Those of you watching online, Dalton and Rossville, wherever you are, we're thrilled you're with us this morning. As you're turning your place in Ephesians chapter 4, our newest pastor, Eddie, Pastor Eddie Rushing, is heading out tomorrow for a mission trip to India for about two weeks. Would you pray for Eddie as he brings, as the Lord brings him to your mind, maybe even jot that down over the next two weeks. He's going to preach the gospel and see many people saved over the next couple of weeks. So just pray for him, add him to your prayer list for the next 12 days. God would keep him safe and use him mightily while he is there. Well, I started a sermon series that coincides with our 21 days called Attitudes Matter. The Bible does have a lot to say about our attitude. Really in Ephesians chapter four, we'll see it in a moment when we read it. The Bible says we're to have a uh, uh, renewed in our attitude. So last week I, I talked about what a bad attitude is like and how to get rid of it. And today I want to talk about a new attitude, a new attitude. The Bible talks about in Ephesians chapter four, really we could call this one a good attitude. Remember that quote by Chuck Swindoll? I said, he said, the longer I live, the more I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. 10% will happen. Well, that, that 90% is our attitude, right? That, that is our response to what happens to us. So how do we get rid of a bad attitude? That was last week. How do we get, get a new attitude or even a good attitude? Hey, hear me this morning. Make no mistake. Your attitude is either drawing people to Christ or it's pushing people away just our attitude. So the attitude that you walk around with every day in your life, whether it's your attitude with your family, or whether it's your attitude at your job, whether it's attitude among your friends and people around you, it is either pushing people away from Christ or it is drawing people into Christ. And so if that is the case, we need to pay attention and figure out how we can get a new attitude. Well, what does a good attitude look like? I tried to do this last week, just in general. If I were to throw up, it's almost easier to tell, to point out, use some descriptors of what a good attitude uh, will look like. And so you, you can just see some of these up here. Obviously, this is just a very few uh, that would be on the list. A, a benevolent attitude, generous, helpful, humble, open-minded, respectful, selfless, peaceful, kind, thoughtful attitude. That Those words and many more give us an idea of what a good attitude looks like. Well, how do we define attitude? It is a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. Typically, that is reflected in a person's behavior. So, so here's what we know, that your attitude always comes out in your behavior. And so we see the three markers of an attitude right there, right? What is an attitude? It has something to do with how you think, something to do with how you feel, something to do with how you behave. 
So taking that definition, I kind of wrote my own definition of it that is, I think, a little easier to keep up with. Your attitude is how you think, right? What is going on in your mind is the starting place for your attitude. So number one, your attitude is how you think, which determines then how you feel. So my attitude is what's going on in my mind, but make no mistake, it doesn't stay in your mind. Your attitude starts in your mind and then it moves down into your heart. It starts in your thoughts and then it moves down into your emotions. Now it may germinate, it may ruminate for a while in your mind, but hear me, it's always what's going on up here is always going to come out in your heart and it's going to determine how you feel. Well, then the problem becomes... Once I feel it, I start acting on it. So your attitude's how you think, it determines how you feel, which affects how you behave. So it starts in my mind, it moves into my heart, it comes out in my hands. It starts in my mind, it moves into my heart, comes out into my hands. Now here's what we're gonna learn today. I, I, I um, alluded to this last week. Your attitude is how you think, it determines how you feel, which affects how you behave, which affects how you think. And I went ahead and put the little infinity signal out, uh, sign out beside it. Why? What, what do I mean by that? Well, here's what I mean by that. And we're going to see there's a whole point dedicated to this in just a moment. But how I think determines how I feel, determines how I behave, but how I behave affects how I think. And so what happens is I throw myself in this infinite loop that just keeps going in this vicious cycle that my thoughts reinforce my feelings, which reinforce my behavior, which reinforces my thoughts, which reinforces my... And here we go. Here we go. We're just in a circle. So here, here's the problem. When you get a bad attitude, it's hard to get rid of it. But when you get a good attitude, it tends to hang around because a good attitude is going to affect your behavior and your behavior affects how you think and then you can keep that cycle going for the good. And I'll, I'll tell you later on how we get out of that cycle. So here's what I know. All of us need uh, our thinking right. And all of us on a daily basis need an attitude adjustment. The fact is, we all need an attitude adjustment on a regular basis. You say, preacher, I have a good attitude. Well, a good attitude leaks. A good attitude dissipates. A good attitude uh, falls by the wayside. It is something you have to manage on a day-in, day-out basis to keep a good attitude. Matter of fact, let me do a poll. Let me do a poll. Because I got, you know me, I got science to back it up. I live my life for this stuff. All right, so, so let me ask you. You've heard the expression, waking up on the wrong side of the bed, right? Well, they actually determined they wanted to figure out, researchers did, how often you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And I read this organically. It was just at my news feed the other day. And so I, I thought, well, that, I'll use that in a sermon here. And, and so I'm proud to announce I, I get to use it today. So they studied 2,000 people to figure out in a year's time how often you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Now, for the purposes of this sermon, we can say you woke up with a bad attitude, right? That's what we mean by waking up. We don't mean you got up on the left side and you should have woken up on the right side. We mean you wake up with a bad attitude, right? That's what we mean, waking up on the wrong side of the bed. So, out of 365 days a year, how many days did the researchers determine 
you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Somebody guess. 200? You'd be grumpy if you woke up 200 days on the wrong side of the bed, right? Anybody else? 100? How many days in a year do you wake up on the wrong side of the bed according to science? 300 days a year. Now, can I I put that in perspective for you? That means out of 365 days a year, 300 of them, you need an attitude adjustment. That means you're only waking up 65 times a year with a good attitude. That means, hey, keep your eyes right here, okay? Don't elbow anybody. Don't look at anybody. Your marriage depends on it. Look straight here. Don't even say amen on this part. You know, just let, it, let, let me do my thing. Um, that means six out of seven days, you, not the person beside you, 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 you wake up with a bad attitude. You wake up with a bad attitude. So we all, almost every day of our lives, need a new attitude. We need an attitude adjustment that'll help me in my family, that'll help me in my job, that'll help me in my church, that'll help me in my life. How do we get it? Well, stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it. Ephesians chapter four to be on the screen. If you're at home or don't have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter four, just all of our campuses stand with this Ephesians chapter four. Now look in verse number 20. Read the verses before it last week. Let's read now these verses. Ephesians four, verse 20. But... He said, this, talking about the hardness of the heart and all those uh, illicit desires last week, darkened thoughts. Now he says, but this is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, that's Jesus as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life. That's that old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. We, we talked about him last week. Now here's that hinge verse. Remember, remember me telling you the hinge verse? To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Or as the NIV translates it, to be renewed in the attitude of your mind. So we've got this hinge verse, verse 23. The things before it are a bad attitude. The things after it are how we get a good attitude. And here's what he says. And to put on the new self. The one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we're members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he has to do work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. Thank you, you may be seated. Now again, there's so much I can preach here. I've got three points for you today. There's so much in this, I could say so much, but let me just give you what I see this morning for the purpose of this exercise as the three main things we wanna know. Again, verse 23 is that hinge verse. What comes before it represents the bad attitude. What comes after after it is how we can get a new attitude or a good attitude. Let me give you three things this morning. Number one is this, how do I get a new attitude? Number one, start with your mind. Start with your mind. Now hear me, in point number two, I'm gonna contradict point number one. 
But I still need you to hear this because this is how you have to start. Here's what Paul said in verse 23, that we are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds or renewed in the attitude of your minds. Well, what does he mean when he says renewed in the attitude of your minds? Well, that word renewed there means to allow the Holy Spirit to reshape your way of thinking to allow God to reshape your attitude. That if I'm going to be renewed in my attitude, renewed in the spirit of my mind, hear me this morning, it is a spiritual exercise. I'm not against self-help books. One of the, one of the greatest books that ever changed my life was Zig Ziglar's See You at the Top when I read it as a late teenager. Changed my way of thinking. It changed, I'm, I'm, I'm not against self-help books at all. But there is no self-help book that will do you as good as what the Holy Spirit of God will do in your life to renew and to reshape your thinking attitude. Paul said this in Colossians chapter 3, and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. Here's what Paul said, that once you become a child of God, that you are to be renewed in your knowledge. What does that mean? I'm to learn more and more of Jesus, more and more about God, not just information, but I'm to know him more, know him greater. And as I know him greater, the Holy Spirit does that work in my heart and life. And the Holy Spirit renews my mind. He renews my life. He makes me different. And so I am to be about this continual process of renewing my mind. And listen, that means I must get my mind right before I can get my life right. I've got to get my mind right in order to get my life right. That if I want to start uh, getting my life straightened out, it's always going to start with the attitude of your mind. Yes, God does care about what's going on in here. You say, well, preacher, if I think it, does that, is that a sin? Could be, depending on what you're thinking. Uh, G- Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So, so you're thinking it possibly, but listen, I'm well aware that we're, we're talking about it in a moment. I'm well aware that thoughts run through your mind that you really can't a hundred percent control going in your mind. So here's what that tells me. If I want to get the rest of my life right, I've got to start at the source. I've got to start at the spring. I've got to start at the well. And the well for my living is my mind. And if I get my mind right through the power of the Holy Spirit, if I get my mind right, I can get my life right. So hear me this morning, start with your mind. It's hard to get right out here until we get right in here. Don't answer this question out loud, but how much junk do you have in your home? Junk? You know, a lot of people one step away from a hoarder. You're one step away from television cameras being at your house, right? Like you're one step away from being on the television show. Here's what, here's what science will tell us, though, that, that a messy, envi- junky home, a messy environment affects your life. Here's what they determine. And in, in, listen, a messy environment infects the mind. It can make us anxious and hurt our ability to relax, focus, or sleep. Do you know that? The more clutter, the more junk... The more mess that you have in your home or, by the way, your car or wherever your office, wherever it may be, it infects your mind. Clutter affects your mind. 
And so clutter, whether you plan on doing anything about it or not, clutter makes you anxious, hurts your ability to relax, focus, or even sleep. Well, here's, here's what else they tell us. A recent study report in the journal Environment Behavior tested the effect of mess on behavior. I, I read this a long time ago, and it fascinates me. By placing subjects in normal versus chaotic kitchen. So we've got a normal, clean kitchen versus a chaotic, uh, uh, filled with clutter, messy kitchen. Here's what they discovered. Those in the messy kitchens tended to overindulge in less healthy snacks at, like cookies more than their counterparts. That clutter and junk around you makes you more likely to make a bad decision. One study found that women who perceived their homes as cluttered had heightened levels of cortisol, a stress hormone associated with chronic stress. People with more clutter express less general satisfaction with their lives in another study. So again, the junk, the clutter gives you stress. It takes away your general satisfaction with life. I'm, I'm done. But listen, clutter might also have implications for our relationship. Look, a 2016 study found background clutter resulted in participants being less able to correctly interpret the emotional expressions on the faces of characters in a movie. You say, well, what does that matter? Here's what the study proved, that when you're surrounded by clutter, you have a hard time reading people. When you're, when you're filled with junk, you have a hard time reading people. And I read this and here's what I thought. Most people have clutter of the mind going on. Our minds are filled with junk. Our minds are filled with worldly clutter. And if that's, if it's good, if, if look, if doodads, knickknacks, Amazon boxes and newspapers are going to affect our mind, I promise you that there is going to be clutter of your mind is going to affect your relationships, your life satisfaction, your anxiety level and your attitude. Because we need to get our minds cleaned up because our minds are filled with junk. Our minds are filled with worldly things instead of the word of God. Our minds are filled with culture things instead of the things of Christ. Paul knew it would be like this way. He knew it was going to be hard. That's why he said in Romans chapter 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind or the decluttering of your mind or the de-junking of your mind so that you may discern, man, if our day and age is lacking anything, it is a level of discernment. What is the good? Good, pleasing and perfect will of God see we cannot have a right attitude we cannot be discerning because we have junk in our minds and clutter in our minds and we've got more of the world than we have the word we've got more of the culture than we do Christ and therefore our minds are polluted with nothing more than junk how do I how do I clean up my mind the Word of God will help you do that. Bathe yourself in the Word. I've gotten recently where when I have downtime, 
I'm going back and just listening to the Bible for no reason. Just let the word of God purify my mind. Back when I was a boy, uh, Brother Eddie, you'll remember Alexander Scurby had uh, uh, King James Bible tapes. They were a treasure. And it was back on cassette tapes. And as a, as a late teenage boy, I used to walk around with my Walkman and I would have a tape full of uh, Alexander Scurby reading the Bible to me and also Def Leppard on another tape, but that's a different discussion. But I, I had Alexander Scurby to wash out my mind from Def Leppard, right? I, I had it all on there. But I started going back. I found Alexander Scurby on YouTube. And, and you can go back and just play the Bible. If you, if you haven't ever done that, Alexander, S-C-O-U-R-B-Y, you can Google him or you can search it on YouTube and find it. It's just him. It's 66 videos of him reading every book of the Bible. And I just want the Bible to flood my heart and flood my mind. Listen, you need the Holy Spirit asking the Holy Spirit to fill you. You need to spend time in prayer. You need the flock of God. That is the people of God. You need to be around the people of God so that you can, uh, you can get your mind on things that are right. Not only that, listen, you know what you need to do? You know how you control your thoughts, clean out your thought life? You need to evaluate your thoughts. Look, look at this Psalm 119. I thought about my ways and turned my steps back to your decrees. I thought about my ways. You know one way you clean up your attitude is you become very self-aware. You know, I talked about it last week. We get in that bull in a china shop mode with our attitude. We get a calloused heart, a hard heart, and we don't stop to evaluate what kind of attitude we might have. One of the most powerful exercises you can do in your life is just to stop and think about your ways and think about your attitudes so that you can turn your steps back to what the Lord would have you do. Not only that, I'm about to tell you a secret of the Christian life here, and I'm going to say it, and you're not going to believe it, but I'm going to say it anyway, and I'm going to prove it. You know, one of the greatest things you can do to change your attitude is talk to yourself instead of think to yourself. Talk to yourself instead of think to yourself. Why is that? Remember going back to the definition of an attitude, how we wind up in a loop? Have you ever in your life wound up in an anxiety loop and wound up with a bad attitude? You, you ever wound up, my, my time, you know, I told you I'm not saved till I've had a couple of cups of coffee and started in my Bible in the morning. I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm just far from God when I wake up in the mornings. Like I, I need coffee, I need caffeine, I need, a, I need a shower and a meeting with God. If I'm ever going to get in an anxiety loop in my mind, it's either in the middle of the night or in the shower. And I find myself in this anxiety loop I got going on. And my thoughts get out of control. And my thoughts get out of control. My mind, it gets out of control. My attitude gets bad. I told you last week. I'll say it again this week. It's your thoughts that'll, that'll mess you up. Why? Because, you know, sometimes your wife will have a dream about you in the middle of the night, man. You went to bed, everything's fine. But you woke up and you are in trouble and you don't know why. Well, she, she dreamed it. It's all up here. How do you get out of that loop? I'll show you a Bible verse. Psalm 42, 5. Psalmist said this, why my soul? Who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. Why are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil, filled with anxiety? 
Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Here is a here's a defeated psalmist. Here's a psalmist that is dejected, that is full of anxiety. And here's what he had to do. He had to talk to himself to pull him out of that loop. Okay, sometimes what you need to do instead of just sit around and let your anxiety levels increase, increase, increase until you get your attitude wrong, stop and talk to yourself. He said, hey, soul, Joel, why are you doing this? Don't you, tr- don't you believe there's a God that you can put your trust in? Don't you believe there's a God who's still worthy of praise and thanksgiving? Don't you believe there's a God who is your savior and a God that never sleeps, but the psalmist said watches over you at night so you don't have to stay awake? Yes, my soul. Why are you dejected? Instead of getting all up in your thoughts, get all up and just saying, hey, you know what, soul? I'm going to trust in God. Renew your mind. You want a new attitude? Start with your mind. Point number two, I want to tell you this. Attitude follows actions. Now I'm going to contradict what I just said. Because right after being told to renew our minds, we're giving a series of things to do. Now let me walk you through this. Ephesians chapter 4, he, he tells us some things to do, right? Speak the truth. Be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Do honest work. No foul language. Right? It's a series of commands of things we are supposed to do. Now, why, when he's talking about attitude, would Paul tell us things to do and not just set and stop and think about things to think or renewing our minds? Why is the whole passage not about renewing our minds? Because I go back to that loop I showed you in the introduction, that our actions inevitably reinforce our thoughts, and so our behavior reinforces our, our mind. And so Paul said, let's do this. Let's, let's get out of that negative loop you're in. Let's get out of that bad loop you're in, and let's start a new loop. And the easiest way to start a new loop is to start doing right And when you start behaving correctly, then your mind will catch up with your behavior. And you say, preacher, I need to see that somewhere else. Okay, let me show you this. This is where I first saw this truth in the Bible. Remember I told you that? that Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, the action precedes the emotion, right? Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord. And... Thy thoughts shall be established. Commit, what comes first? Is it my thoughts that come first? It's not my thoughts that come first. It is my works that come first. That when I commit my works to the Lord, my thoughts will eventually catch up with my works and I'm back into that loop where if I leave, the easiest way to change my thought life is to change my work life, my do life. And when I change my do life, my behavior life, my think life then catches up with it. So the principle becomes this. The principle is this. Your attitude follows your actions. Do right, think right, feel right, be right. Do right think right, feel right, be right, do right, think right, feel right, be right. Now all this time, I'm still renewing my mind. All of this time, I'm still in the word. All of this time, I'm still, but here's what we can't do as believers. We can't sit around and say, uh, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get my mind right and then I'll get my, my doing right. No, do it all at the same time. Do it all at the same time. Otherwise, if you don't follow this pattern, you know what you're gonna get? You're going to get mystery emotion. What do you mean by mystery emotion? I mean, you're going to wake up every day and neither you nor anybody else around you is going to know what comes out of you. 
on the corner of John Street and 10th Avenue in Seattle, Washington, there's a store called Broadway Locksmith. For years, in front of Broadway Locksmith has been this soda machine. It's a beaten up vending machine unlike any other because no one is quite sure who owned the machine. Nobody's ever admitted to it. Back in 2015, the Seattle Times did a whole expose on it and the identity of who owns the machine's keys and is refilling it with um, stacks of random beverages is unknown. Even the employees of Broadway Locksmith who let the machine be plugged into their electricity, they have no idea who owns it. The Seattle Times, as a matter of fact, went to city officials and asked if anyone had filed a permit to operate a vending machine on the sidewalk and there are no permits to operate the vending machine. It just sits there. It gets refilled. It's old and looks awful. But here's the most interesting thing about it. The flavors in it, you can't read that from here. There are six buttons. They all say mystery. Mystery. Every single photo button says mystery. So the Times, again, did a little expose on it, and they discovered that over the course of their research, there has been Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew Whiteout, Pink Lemonade, Minute Maid, a vintage-looking Dr. Pepper, Lemon Lime Slice, Mountain Dew Code Red, Diet Hubba Bubba Bubblegum, the flavors of Pineapple Grape, Strawberry Fantas, Hawaiian Punch, Sierra Mist, mystery. You never know what you're going to get. Just as a side note, in June 2018, the machine disappeared. It has a Facebook page with over 30,000 followers on it. <laughs> All the machine posted on Facebook was went for a walk. It was gone for four years and this past year it showed back up for a brief time. When it disappeared in 2018, it said, going for a walk, need to find myself, maybe even need a shower. It came back in 2022, was there for a few days, disappeared. It's never been seen from again. Part of the allure was mystery. You never know what you're going to get. That's great with soda. Mystery is not great with attitude. Your wife doesn't want attitude surprise when you wake up every morning. Your husband doesn't want attitude surprise when he wakes up every morning. Your parents, teenagers, don't want attitude surprise. Your, your, uh, your kids, parents, don't want attitude surprise. Your work doesn't want attitude surprise when you wake every, up. But if you're just depending on your feelings, listen to me, every day of your life is attitude surprise, which is why the Bible would say, let your actions determine your attitude. You can control that. Your attitude with your spouse, you can control. With your children, you can control. With your parents, you can control. With your job, you can control. With your friends, you can control. You can't on purpose have a loving attitude. You can't on purpose have a kind attitude. You can't on purpose have a welcoming attitude. You can't on purpose have a generous attitude. You can't on purpose have a respectful attitude. You say, preacher, I didn't fake, wake up feeling loving this morning. When well, then do loving things until you feel like being loving. Attitude follows actions. 
At the same time I'm renewing my mind, at the same time I'm in the word of God, at the same time I'm asking the Holy Spirit to change my attitude, and all the while I'm changing my actions. Well, let me show you the third thing we learned about having a good attitude. Number three, I'll just say this, shut the door. Look, look in your Bible, look at verse 27. Verse 27. Because verses tucked in there, you can't miss it. And don't give the devil an opportunity. What? Wait, what? Don't give the devil an opportunity. What do you mean by don't give the devil an opportunity? Well, the word opportunity there in the Greek is the Greek word topos. Now, now you might recognize that word. It's where we get our word topography from, right? So the Greek word topos there meant space, land, port, a port, a seaport, dwelling, territory, or even an opportunity. Many translations translate opportunity. It's a great translation, but it could really, uh, depending on the context, be translated to any of those. So it could say, don't give the devil space in your life. Don't give the devil land in your life. Hey, don't let the devil dock his ship in your life. Don't give the devil a dwelling opportunity in your life, a territory or any kind of opportunity in your life. Don't, here's what he's saying. Don't surrender ground to the devil's side. Don't surrender any actions to the devil. Don't surrender any thoughts to the devil. Don't surrender any feelings to the devil. When you surrender ground to the enemy, you give him a foothold to launch multiple attacks from. I mean, this one points great preaching this morning. If you give him any space at all, you give him a beachhead from where he can launch all kinds of attacks. So you've heard this expression, right? Give the devil an inch and he'll take a mile. You give the devil any topos in your life and he'll take more. So Paul said, when it comes to your attitude, don't give him any space. So can I, can I expound on this? Because I think Paul was saying all this. Give the devil a thought and he'll take your mind. Give him one single thought. Give him one negative thought. Give him one anxious thought. And when you give the devil one anxious thought, he will take over your mind and your mind will be dominated by negativity. Your mind will be dominated by anxiety. Your mind will be dominated by frustration because when you give him a thought, he'll take your mind. Give the devil a deed, He'll take your life. And so a preacher, it's only one little sin. One little sin's a beachhead for the devil to launch multiple attacks at your life. Give the devil a feeling and he'll take your emotions. Every now and then we have that ungodly feeling run through our heart and life. And sometimes it feels good. Hear me, I understand it. It feels good to latch on to that feeling. We have bitterness well up in our hearts and we have anger well up in our hearts. And look, we may be well-deserved, maybe not, I don't know, but we have it welled up in our hearts and it makes us wanna hold on to that. But listen to me, it's not just one feeling. It's not just one deed. It's not just one thought. If you give in to the devil, you're giving him an opportunity, a beachhead, a topo, support to dock his devilish ship. And he'll take over. So Paul said this, shut the door. Once you start giving the devil any territory in your life, it's hard ground to win back. So hear me, church, shut 
the door. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. You've probably never heard of this term, but I'm going to put it on the screen for you. It's called dessert stomach. Dessert stomach. Now, let me explain dessert stomach to you. You go to a restaurant and you eat until you're about to pop, right? And you make this statement. You say, whew, I couldn't eat another bite, right? Then a waitress comes out, waiter comes out and said, would you like to see the dessert menu? Now, five seconds ago, you said you couldn't eat another bite. But all of a sudden, a dessert menu gets waved in front of your face, and you're about, well, let me look. Let me look. And you wind up making room for dessert. It's called dessert stomach. Like you can, look, I'm finding something to eat there, right? I'm finding something. Let me tell you what dessert stomach is. The the science behind dessert stomach is really pretty straightforward. It is, well, matter of fact, I think I I have this on the screen, so I, I can read to you from up here. It deals with your senses getting bored. Dessert stomach, or it's called sensory-specific satiety, I can't ever say that word, satiety, is, as it is known more scientifically, is the phenomenon where the more food you eat of the same kind, the less appealing that food becomes. A dessert introduces a new experience in terms of flavor, smell, and sight, and breaks the monotony of the meal. They increase the body's anticipation of food, rekindling our appetite by overriding Sadie signals. So like, it's like, no, I've been eating, you know, steak and potatoes and broccoli, all that's kind of the same. And now dessert is totally different. And so your body says, hey, I think that'll be different. But not only that, sugar stimulates a relaxing effect in the stomach, which reduces the sensation of being full. Explaining why you can consume dessert after eating to your stomach's content so one bite of sugar starts expanding your stomach so you can eat more it's exactly what Paul was telling us when you give in to the devil in one attitude you'll start making room for more well preacher I'm just gonna hold on this one bad attitude no you're not you're not your bad attitude is going to start expanding like your stomach on sugar. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. So if you want a good attitude, shut the door. Shut the door. You want a new attitude, a good attitude, you got to fill your mind. It is a spiritual exercise to renew your mind in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. While you're renewing your mind, you let your actions lead the way. You start doing loving things before you feel like being loving. You start doing kind things before you feel like being kind. You start doing generous things before you feel like being generous. And every now and then the old devil's going to come along and he's going to try to dock his ship in your mind. He's going to try to set up anchor. And here's what he's going to tell you. It's just one little thing. It's just one little thought. It's just one little feeling. It's just one little action. Yeah. Look, he, he, he doesn't care about the one little thing. He's just looking for a place to dock his ship in your port. And if he, if he does it, he can ruin your attitude. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Our pastors are coming this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, They'd love to 
They'd love, love to share with you this morning how you can be saved. They'd love to share with you this morning how you can know him as the Lord and Savior of your life. So if you're here today, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, whether you're at one of our uh, uh, other campuses besides Rock Spring, there's a pastor up front here at Rock Spring. There are multiple pastors up front who'd love to pray with you and lead you to faith in Jesus Christ. All you got to do is come down during this invitation. Take one by the hand and say, I'd like to become a Christian. Don't just come kneel. Come see that pastor standing there at that next step station and let them know that you'd like to become a Christian. You want to be baptized? Come tell them that. You want to join our church? Come tell them that. They'll walk you through any of that. And if you're watching online, Pastor Jeremy has a word for you just now. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message. Last week about a bad attitude, this week how to have a new attitude. And that really is where a lot of us are. We, we need to have that huge attitude adjustment and, and begin to look at things differently. One of my favorite points from this morning's message is our attitude follows our actions. And Pastor Joel did a great job of explaining what that actually means. It means when we are obedient and faithful in doing the things that Scripture tells us to do, then our attitude is actually going to follow our behavior. And um, so many times we think, well, if we felt differently about a situation or if, we, um, if, if our emotions were different, then it would be easier for us to do something. And sometimes we just need to grind it out and do what we're, we know we're supposed to do. And then our attitude about many different things in life will begin to change. For you, though, maybe the step you need to take this morning is making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You see, you can't fix your attitude all by yourself. Without the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit's power working in and through, you are powerless to make the changes that need to be changed, need to be made. And so that begins with you understanding that you're a sinner. You, your sin separates you from God. Your disobedience, which is your sin, separates you from God. There's nothing you can do to, to fix that. You've got to be willing to admit it. You've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried dead in the tomb, and on the third day, He rose again, bridging the gap between us and God. You've got to believe that. And then thirdly, you have to confess with your mouth. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. And when we do that, we will be saved. And so if God has spoken to your heart this morning and you need to give your heart and life to Him, in the quietness of this moment, simply tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. Lord, I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day to pay the price for my sin. And just now, God, I ask you through the power of your Holy Spirit to take up residence in my heart. Take away my sin. Make all things new. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer with me just now, we want to celebrate that. We want to tell you welcome to the family, and we want to be here for you to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so what you can do is we've just dropped a link in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. You can click on that, and it'll ask you just a couple of questions. I'll get an email. I'll connect with you tomorrow 
and uh, see how we can help you take next steps. I just talked to two people um, who accepted Christ last week watching online. I'd love to talk to you if God's called you to make that decision. Hey, it's been fantastic to be together. I look forward to our time worshiping online each week. And um, God bless you. I can't wait to see you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <music>